Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. with you I think that video is a little too too dramatic like like I feel like unless I have like fire shooting out of my arms like I I am not doing that video justice in terms of the excitement factors Uh, if we do have youth with us uh, our youth class is uh, dismissed and and so you uh, you can go with Reed or not you Reed here Riley Reed's gone Reed's on holidays but Riley's here and he's doing our youth class and uh, nobody's leaving here which tells me that all the youth are already there so Riley you might want to run and uh, which is so awesome um, we're on uh, week three of our, of our Heroes series, and uh, this particular series, I, I've, I've been enjoying it. What we're doing is we're highlighting different heroes of the faith, and, and uh, this morning specifically, I want to look at, at Caleb. Um, it's funny, when, when they first, when we were talking as a team, because the way we do our preaching here at the church, um, and so we, we, we speak in series, and so if you come here on a Sunday morning, um, we're speaking on heroes, downtown they're speaking on heroes, we're all speaking on heroes, um, but we have certain flexibility in terms of what, what the sermon and the content actually look like. So we agree on the series, and then we all get to do our own thing. And, and when they pitched Caleb, my first thought was, who on earth is Caleb? And I was like, oh, right, Caleb, oh, right. Um, I'm a sucker for a good spy story, and so I've always remembered Caleb as the cool spy, um, and I totally forgot his first name, but that's irrelevant. You'll remember his name after today, I promise you. Uh, One of the interesting things about Caleb that, that I wasn't familiar with is how the scriptures describe him. See, five or six times, uh, Caleb is actually described as a man who followed the Lord with a whole heart. He wholeheartedly followed the Lord. And this, this in my opinion, it, it, it's, it's a unique descriptor, descriptor, and it draws some attention. Because on the one hand, following God wholeheartedly as a primary Bible character um, isn't really all that surprising, <laughs> Like it's, it's, it's like intuitively I would have assumed that every primary Bible character followed the Lord wholeheartedly. So on the one hand, I'm like, okay, that's, that's interesting, but not interesting all at the same time. But on the other hand, it actually is super interesting. Five or six times the Bible explains that he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. So it speaks to the... the the uniqueness of this. It speaks this idea that this is worth mentioning. So which raises the question, do, do, do I follow the Lord wholeheartedly? Do I follow the Lord wholeheartedly? If we were to give ourselves a rating out of, out of 100, how, what would your grade be? <laughs> would it be like, oh, 100%, wholehearted? Got it, nailed, locked in. Maybe, maybe it's 90%, 60%, 50%. Maybe you come to church on Sundays, so on Sundays you, you serve the Lord wholeheartedly here. Well, if Sundays are the day that you serve the Lord wholeheartedly, mathematically, that's only 14% of your week. And so it's entirely possible that we serve the Lord with, 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 with full 14%. And I thought that is very interesting. 
And, and, and what impacts would that have on our Christian faith? It would, be, it would be so disillusioning. Like, it would be, it would be, it would be so frustrating because on the one side, we, like, we know inside of us, like, like, we need to be wholehearted. But on the other side, we're not, we're not totally there, but we expect God to act as though we're wholehearted. We expect to experience life as though we're wholehearted. And we have all these deficiencies everywhere. And so it's, it, it, it's frustrating and it can be actually very discouraging. And so my, my challenge for us, my challenge for me, is, is what would happen if we increase that percentage just a little? And I'm so glad that you're here today. Specifically, what I, what I feel the Lord has placed on my heart to share is I want to speak on the subject of fear. Fear is an interesting thing. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says it like this. I love this verse. It says, fear of man will, will prove to be a snare. There's a a sneaky nature to it. It's deceptive. Trap you. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So it paints this picture, it speaks this idea that there actually is a, a correlation between my, my fear level and my faith level. And, I, and I've seen this in my own life. If in the seasons where I have an elevated level of fear, if I'm being super honest, my faith level is pretty low. And vice versa. Those seasons where I'm like, I am feeling it. This is good. God can do anything. I can walk on water. Here we go. And when I'm feeling it, faith-wise, my, my, my fear level is low. And there's this kind of direct relation that we don't necessarily think about. And with that said, I, I, I can't help but wonder if there is some level of correlation between our wholeheartedness when it comes to faith and the presence and absence of fear in our lives as well. And so without further ado, um, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. And in Numbers chapter 13, as I said, I've always been a sucker for a good spy movie, uh, a good spy story. And this is just, just top-notch stuff. Top-notch stuff. No, uh, Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. God's speaking, and he says these things. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent out 12, send out, sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. So this is what takes place. God tells Moses to assemble this crack team of individuals. And he's going to send these 12. Caleb is amongst those 12 out into the land of Canaan to spy out the land. So, so they go. And, and, and while they're there, they see things that are absolutely astonishing. The Bible describes that they found grapes that were, the clusters were so big that it took two people to carry back this cluster of grapes. They, like what they saw while they were there, they saw giants. They saw a land, as the Bible describes, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Rivers. 
milk. Just kidding, but that would be gross, actually. That would be really offsetting if I saw that, but, uh, but whatever. It was a really amazing land. And, and so they come back after 40 days. And, and in verse 26, Numbers chapter 13, verse 26, says these words. They came to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. They reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Check out this cluster of grapes. Verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us to. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here it's fruit. Check out these pomegranates. It's amazing. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities, they're, they're, they're fortified and, and very large. And we even saw descendants of Anak there. So think like, like, like giants, like David and Goliath, like Shaquille O'Neal looks small. Like, 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 like these guys are huge. And what I want you to do is listen to how the wholehearted Caleb responds to the way this report was being presented. He speaks up in verse 30. It says, Caleb, he, he, he silenced the people before Moses. He's like, guys, 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 chill out. That's not what happened. We should go up, take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. And this is a perfect example of what it means to, to, to walk by faith and not by sight. And I find sometimes we, maybe we over-dramatize walking by faith and not by sight. Maybe we over-spiritualize it. But walking by faith and not by sight in many ways comes in the form of a bold risk. Like, like, I, like I'm pretty sure, but I'm not entirely sure. And I'm just gonna step out. Like, what are you guys saying? No, no, no. God told us we could take the land. God's the one who sent us. God is with us. It may not look like that. Like, there might be giants. I hear ya. But did you see the size of the grape clusters? Like, like, this is worth going. This is the promised land. This is what we've been talking about. You're gonna back away now? Because you're scared? Don't be afraid. We can do it. God's on our side. It was his idea. Let's go. Now listen to how fear impacts the other spies. But what I want to do is I want to actually highlight like seven ways that, that, that fear negatively impacts the way we live out our faith. All through this, this portion of scripture. Verse 31, this is, this is how the spies respond back. But the man who had gone with him said, we, we, but, but, but no, we, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. We can't attack them, they're stronger. And the first thing that fear does is fear taints our perspective. It's so easy to forget who God is. It's so easy to forget what God said that we can do when we focus on the weight of our circumstance rather than the provision of our creator. And so... It was not scripted today that we would end worship and, and have a moment where we would just call on the Lord with our needs. 
You know, there, there may be some of you in this room where that need is actually just surrounded in fear. And everything inside of you is wanting to run. Might I encourage you just for a moment? God is your provider. He sees your need. He sees your heart. He knows what you're walking through. He knows your, your, your yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He, he, he sees it all. And so let us lean into him this morning. Verse 32, these spies, continues on. It says, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had experienced. The second thing that fear does is fear taints our integrity. It starts off by tainting our perspective, but then, then it starts to give leeway and it gives a space for our integrity to begin to, to, to waffle. Because you see, instead of spreading good news about the, 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 the fruit they had seen, the, the, the plentiful land, the harvest, the positive stuff, they chose to spread the, the news of the giants in the fortress. And that's such an interesting thing. Because you reap what you sow. See, reaping what you sow, wasn't, it's not just like a, a money verse that we use for offerings. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a principle of life. And if you, if you sow fear, you reap fear. If you sow faith, you reap faith. Some of you have been sowing fear, but expecting to reap faith. And so you're left wondering what on earth is going on. But I can't plant a carrot and hope that I'll get a cucumber. It doesn't work. They're two different things. And so if I'm, if I'm sowing fear all the time, don't be surprised that what I'm experiencing and walking in feels like fear. Because we've ignored faith. Sometimes we just expect faith just to pop up and happen. It just doesn't work like that. The verse continues. So it says, And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about what they, the land they had explored. Then they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All, if you're a Bible underliner, I would underline and circle that word, all. All the people that we saw there are, are, are great of size, of great size. They're, they're all giants, every one of them. And something I've noticed in my own life, and I'm sure it's true for you too, it's that, that, that fear tends to taint the truth as well. Come on now. Not every single person there was a giant, but that's what they remember it. That's the story that they're telling themselves. That's the story that keeps running over and over and over in their heads. Words like always, words like never, they're, they're rarely ever actually true. We, we, we teach this in pre-marriage counseling. Like, it, it, it's not helpful if you say to your spouse, you always leave your socks on the floor. Well, not always. I'm sure there's some times where you don't. 
You never put your dishes back in the dishwasher. Well, it's not, it's not never. And in this fascinating little way, fear tends to taint the truth as well. When we're fearful, pay attention to how you speak. Because fear tends to taint the truth. Both the truth that you speak, but also the truth that you think. Part of why that, that fear feels so powerful, because it, it, just, it just keeps feeding itself. And you'll notice that, well, the, the, the narrative tends to change, and the narrative starts to get darker and bleaker. It's fascinating how that happens. Verse 33. They're all riled up, these, these spies. We saw Nephilim. We saw Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. They came from the Nephilim. We, we know it, we're sure, we're certain. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. Oh, poor us. See, fear, not only does it taint the truth, it, it, it taints our, 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 our memory too. It tends to taint the way we think the events took place. It tends to lead to exaggeration all the time. And the script, the narrative, the story that we tell ourselves over and over and over again, the giants get bigger and the people get smaller. See, fishermen, we're classic at this. The fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger every time. Should have seen the size of the fish I caught. 50 pounds. 50 pounds. It jumped inside the boat. It was crazy. We almost sunk. Everybody almost died. It was amazing. Right? Fear is an interesting thing. We create these stories. We tell ourselves these narratives. But be careful of this. Because the, the, the scripts we live by in our mind, they, they, they can become so powerful. The, the, the Bible even speaks to this idea. Uh, I, I don't have it on the screen, but, uh, but Romans chapter 12, verse, verse 2 says, Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by, by, by changing the way that you think. It says, Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's this element of maybe you're not speaking out the stories, maybe you're just thinking the stories, but this narrative going over and over inside of your head, this fear, like anger, that you said anger could be contagious, fear is contagious too. Chapter 14, verse one, that night all members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. And we see this element of, of fear negatively impacting those around us. Let's be honest, when, when we're afraid of something, how our fear impacts those who are around us is typically our least concern. We're generally not thinking about how our fear about something is impacting the way our children are behaving or how our fear about something is impacting how I am living out my, my faith in front of others or my, my relationship with my spouse, or, 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 or whoever, whatever. Fear is, whether we like it or not, whether we realize it or not, it, it is, has an element of, it's a little bit contagious. 
Well, we like, gosh, we won't spend time on it, but we learned this during COVID. <laughs> and all of a sudden, everything gets scary. Verse, verse two, I, I, listen, listen to what happens in these words. All the Israelites, they, they, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron and, and the whole assembly. That's what they said. They said, if only we had died in Egypt. Like they're, 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 they get so afraid. These guys, they weren't even there. And they get so afraid and they say, if only we had died. I am so scared I'd rather be dead. Or it says, or in the wilderness. I'm so, so scared I'd rather just be lost somewhere. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to have us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children, that I'm sure they're going to be taken away from us as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us just to go back to Egypt and, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe I should just become a slave again because that would be better than this. You see, fear causes us to justify crazy irrational thoughts. And everybody's standing them there, hearing them, listening, listening to them, them, them complain. Like, you know what? Actually, he's got a great argument. <laughs> I would way rather die, be lost in the wilderness, or be a slave than just trust the Lord right now. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? You're on to something. Let's go back and be slaves. That's a great idea. Good thinking, Arnold. Assuming that's one of the Israelites' names. Verse four. Like, like they're so riled up. It says, and they say to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They're like, yeah, 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 good idea. Moses, you're out. Who wants to go back and be slaves? Can I hear an amen? And fear causes us to say hurtful things that we don't mean. All the things that Moses and Aaron had led them through. All of the things that God has provided for them. And they face this one moment and they're willing just to throw it all away. And they start saying just the, the, the dumbest stuff that if they sat back and thought about it, they were like, oh gosh, why, why would I even say that? I sound like an idiot. But in the moment, it feels so real. Can you relate? Gosh, I look back to some of my, my like kind of raw arguments with my wife and I'm like, oh gosh. Embarrassing. Like, why would I think like that? What, what, what got me to that space? Or, or I look back to some of my, my life as a, like just a, in my own, my own career and some of the thoughts that I've had. If I look back with time, I think to myself, oh man, I thought I was so justified. I thought I was so right. I thought I was the victim and I, and I need to do something. But really what I was, I was scared. It's embarrassing. We've all been there. Verse five. Then Moses and Aaron, they, they fall face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. It's kind of a position of prayer. They didn't just trip. Verse six. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who were there when they explored the land, they, 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 they tore their clothes. And this, this is just crazy. And then they, they said to the entire assembly, and this is why Caleb is awesome. He says, 
says, guys, the, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing of milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord. What are you thinking? Do not be afraid of the people of this land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Fear not. We can do this. Be encouraged. And of course, God, God, he intervenes. It says in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land that he went to and his descendants will inherit it. This is such a powerful verse because it speaks to two things that we can see in our friend Caleb this morning. One, it says that Caleb had a different spirit about him and two, Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Two important things to consider. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. If you've been a Christian for any deal of time, you've heard this verse before. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. See, in so many ways, what these, what these spies, they, they had going for them is they had, they had a spirit of fear and timidity. But Caleb, he was different. He had a different kind of spirit, the Bible says. His spirit was of, was of power, love, and, and, and self-discipline. You see, a spirit of power believes that with God, all things are possible. And we can't, we can't lose that. And as a church here in the West Shore, I, my, my prayer is that becomes our D, part of our DNA. When people think of this West Shore campus here, they would say, wow, that, that is a church. They're not perfect. Their parking is awful. But there, but, but, but there is a church there that, that believes that with God all things are possible. Yeah. Then there's the spirit of love. And the spirit of love believes that all people are worth fighting for. And again, that is something that I want our church to be known for. That we're willing to fight for everybody. We're willing to step out and, 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 and love people that the rest of the world wouldn't. We're willing to put our, our, our money where our mouth is. And, and we're willing to do things that, that may feel uncomfortable in order to, 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 to reach those who, who need to hear about Jesus. That's why I always open, when we, when we open this, this whole campus, I say, I want to be the most unwelcoming church in the West Shore. A church where the unwell can come. That's our goal. That's what we're going to do. We're going to try as hard as we can to love people as hard as we can. And the third one, spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Spirit of self-discipline believes that with God, all of who I am will be used to serve him. 
it requires this requires it requires a measure of, of self-sacrifice. It requires a measure of risk. It requires a measure of intentionality. Where it's like, okay, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and wholeheartedly do this as best as I can. And that's why I opened this morning by encouraging you, let's try and take a few steps together. Because what would it look like if we were a church that collectively, wholeheartedly worshiped and followed God no matter what it meant? What would that, how would that impact the, the, the West Shore? How would that impact our neighborhoods? How would that impact our, 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 our families? How would that impact even our own personal life when we're alone standing in front of our own fear? It would impact it in a great way, I promise you. I promise you. I'll close with this, this verse. This might actually be my most favorite Caleb quote in the entire Bible. And this is what it says. This is uh, Joshua chapter 14, 10 and 11. You can, you can write this in your Bible. Or highlight this in your Bible. It's already written in there. Silly me. Listen to these words. Today I am 85 years old. And I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel. And I can still fight as well as I could then. That was Caleb's posture. And when I turn 85, I want that to be my story. I still got fighting me. I'm still willing to travel. I'm still willing to go. I'm still willing to listen to Jesus and do what he says no matter what. That's the legacy I want to leave for her and my daughter. That's the kind of church I want us to lead. And if you're 15 years old, you can play the piano. And if you're 85 years old, you can greet at my door. Or play the piano. Just do whatever you want. <laughs> we want to have a church where everybody has space. Everybody has a seat at the table. And what I'm thankful for, I'm so thankful that that's what I'm seeing. I invite you to stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. I invite you to um, put your hands just in front of you like this, a posture of receiving. You close your eyes with me. Lord, we stand before you with humble hearts and open hands. We can't change this world in and of ourselves. So Father, forgive us. <laughs> forgive us for trying. What I mean by that, God, is forgive us for making this whole mission about us. Jesus, I pray for each person in this room with humble hearts and open hands. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would surprise them with who you are. God, that you would use them to do infinitely in a more than they could ever possibly imagine. God, that they'd be the type of leader who, like Caleb at 85, said, I've still got fight in me. I've still got dreams in me. I've still got life in me. 
Lord, for those who are discouraged today, I pray for encouragement. For those who think and feel they don't got much to give, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would show them the wealth that they have inside of their heart. You've placed them here for such a time as this. God, there are people in their life who surround them that you have placed there so that they can shine light into their world. Jesus, we're all missionaries in our own way. We're all your hands and feet in your own way. So God, thank you for today. Thank you for what you've done in the past. God, we thank you for, we thank you in faith for what you're gonna do with our future. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's, um, what should we do now? Let's let, but I threw the band on a curveball there. I, I ended differently. Can I invite the band back up? <laughs> and, and that first song, Take You At Your Word, powerful song. And if we can be a church that takes God at his word, God who, who heals, God who restores, God who sets people free, God who transforms lives, transforms marriages, transforms communities, God who makes old things new, God who makes dead things alive, that's, that's the God we serve. And so I want us to, to end with this song and, and just really just, just celebrate the fact that we're on the winning team here. Like, like, sure, there may be giants, but God is with us. God is with you, and you got this. Let's sing together.